0: 2019, uh, just curious, how many of you have ever had a time in your life where you just wish so badly that you could just one time, maybe, maybe just once, get Jesus to actually speak directly to you in a way that you knew it was coming from him, and you could ask him a question or, or you would have him tell you something, just one thing you just so badly wanted to hear personally, directly from him, audibly from him. Just curious, how many have ever had that experience? See your hands. Uh, I have begged for that to happen, and it's never happened audibly. But let's just say that you have that desire for this year. You pray a prayer, and you say, Lord, I, I just want to know. What is it that you want me to know, and what is it that you want me to do this year? How many would like to have the answer to that? What do you want me to know this year, Lord? And what do you want me to do this year, 2019? Can I just see your hands? How many would like that information? Some of you are like, nah, I just soon not know because then once I know, if I don't do it, <laughs> he can't be judgmental toward me for what I don't know. So, you know. Well, I can tell you exactly what he wants to say to you, to me, to each and every one of us. Uh, this year absolutely without a shadow of a doubt I can tell you exactly what he wants you and I to know this year and what he wants you and I to do this year so let me share a passage with you that comes straight from his mouth when he had just risen from the dead he had told his disciples in advance to go to Galilee to wait until he appeared there after he had risen from the dead and he had special words for them the most important words that they had ever heard the most important words arguably that the world has ever heard and they went like this Jesus drew near and said to them, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. What does He want us to know this year? That he has all authority on heaven and earth. It may look like things are out of control. It may look like governments and corrupt people and all kinds of cruelty and violence and disease and death have the last word. They do not have the last word. Jesus rose from the dead and he showed when he was on earth that he had power over all those things. He wants us to know no matter what we face this year, no matter what things look like or feel like, he is the one that has the last word. He has all authority in heaven and on earth. But then the second part, this is what he wants us to do. He says, go then to all peoples everywhere and make them, but, but let's have a little fun. How many want to have a little fun this morning? Want to have a little fun? Okay, okay, a little fun. Here's what I want you to do. I'm going I'm to fill in what that says next, but I'm going to fill it in differently than what it says. So what I'd like you to do each time is say no. How many think you can have fun doing that? You can get as loud as you want. All right, so so Jesus said, go then and tell all peoples everywhere to ask me into their heart. Go then and tell all peoples everywhere to pray the sinner's prayer. Uh, Go all all over the world and and ask people and tell people to uh, accept me as their Lord and Savior. Thank you. (laughs) Whoever that was, God bless you. (laughs) Now. Clean eyes, objective eyes and ears. Forget all that we've heard in church world. And let's listen to what Jesus says to us this year. Every year. You'll see in a minute to the very end of the age. He says, go then to all peoples everywhere and make them my, what is the word? Disciples. Disciples. Well, we have to know what a disciple is. Well, if you want to look at the word in the original language, in the Greek, it was methetes. If you look at it in the Hebrew, it's talmudim. And it had a very special, definite meaning to the hearers of the word in the first century. You and I, when we go to the Bible, we have to get an interpretation if we're going to be accurate. How did it sound? What did it mean to the first century hearers? And here's what that word meant. Talmudim, methetes, disciple, it meant an individual that listened to the teaching of a certain teacher called rabbi in those days and so trusted in the rabbi and in his teaching that that person decided, I want to become just like my rabbi. I want to follow him. I want to do everything that he says. I'm going to submit my life to him in the hopes that I can become like my rabbi. I trust him. I believe he's got the truth. That is what that word meant. We are not called to get decisions. We are not called to ask Jesus into our heart. We are called to be, to make, what is it again? Disciples. And when a person becomes a disciple, then they are saved. Then their sins are forgiven. Then they have eternal life. Then they can grow and develop. We are called to make disciples. Go then to all peoples everywhere and make them my disciples, my fully devoted followers, in other words. He goes on. Then baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So the first thing he asks is that once you become a disciple, let there become a public display of your new life. You're going to proclaim to the world through baptism, my old self that used to follow my own desires and my own ways of thinking is dead and buried under the water. And risen from the water is a new self. That new self is going to live just the way Jesus, my Lord, tells me to live. That word baptized, it's an interesting one too. Uh, It's a transliteration. The original Greek word was just baptizo. We just changed it into baptized. And what the word was really used for, it's cloth dyers in the biblical days, first century. They would take a cloth, let's say it's a tan or kind of colorless cloth, and they would plunge it into the dye. Let's say it was purple dye. And so the cloth would stay under the dye until the dye would penetrate into it and change it forever baptize them in the name of the father and the son of the holy God. the name the name of the father the son and the holy spirit it is the name of God It is the character of God we as followers we as disciples are those that are going to be immersed lifelong in the name in the character of God until it permeates us and until it changes us forever that's what baptism means so he says, go into all the world, make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Then he goes on, and he doesn't stop there. And teach them to do what? Amen. Obey how much? Everything. Everything that I've commanded you, and I will be with you how long? Always, Always to the what? Eight. To the very end of the age. You see, that's why this is Jesus' word to us this year and any year. Let me just tell you how powerful those words were. Those words launched what we call the global mission of churches. In the book of Acts, Jesus gave a little more information. He gave kind of a strategic uh, picture of how to carry this out. He spoke to his disciples for some 40 days after he had risen from the dead. And this is one of the things he said in chapter uh, 1, verse 8. He said, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere, and now he's got this strategic cycle. First in Jerusalem, that's where they lived. Throughout Judea, that was the next closest place. Then Samaria, that was a little further. And then to the where? To the ends of the earth. Look look at a little chart real quick. This is what it would look like. Jerusalem hometown. Judea, a little further out. Samaria, a little further. Then finally to the ends of the earth. Back at October 27th, 1991, those words launched this church this church exists today because of those words of Jesus everything that this church has ever done everything this church ever will do everything that's a part of this church comes from those words they live on they ring on they set my heart afire today the same way they did back in 1973 when I first became a follower of Christ and they are words that are specifically given to us each and every one of us that call ourselves Christians. By the way, it says those that were the followers of the way were first called Christians in Acts eleven twenty-six. 26, it says in Antioch. The word Christian came later. You were a disciple first. The disciples were first called Christians. And you know what Christians meant? It meant little Christ-like ones. They looked at these, these disciples of Jesus and they said, they're, they're just like him. Let's call them Christians. Little Christians, little Christ is what that word Christians means. Today we're going to do something unusual, and I hope exciting and moving and motivating for you. We're going to, we're going to pass the baton here in just a second. I'm going to bring, uh, in fact, you, you guys can come on now. Uh, Janet Crager, who is our pastor of Care Ministries here, but she's also over all of our missions outreaches. And Thomas Petney, who is um, our associate pastor here, and, and my, you know, very personally... Uh, important partner in ministry. And Thomas is going to do a little interview with Janet, and we're going to just share with you a little bit about how God has moved us through the years to express this going into all the world, making disciples. Then I'm going to come back at the very end and close this message out.
1: So I'm excited about this, one, because we have never done this ever before, and it's an interesting experiment just to see how it goes, number one. Number Two, because I think this is such a good opportunity um, for anybody whether it 's your first time here you 've been coming for months or years uh, it's easy to get a to see what happens here on Sunday morning and get the sense that that 's all we do or or to get the sense that this is an inwardly focused organization um, but but to get an insider's glimpse into the external focus that we have into the local community and the rest of the world, Um, and to have an opportunity here uh, just to get that behind-the-scenes glimpse into the vision that we have for taking Jesus' command to go into all the world seriously. And the uh, guidance of that vision and the stewardship of that vision is pretty much held by Janet Kreger, our care pastor. So, I'm excited to hear from you. I've heard so much from you just through our years of working together, but excited to have everybody else hear from you as well. Um, But I want to start by saying we kind of break our missions down into international mission partners, national mission partners, and then local mission partners. So we're going to start with international. Can you just walk us through who our international partners are?
2: Okay, so our our first missions partner here at FCF, um, a man named Mark Curry. Uh, Mark, his wife Chris, and his four kids uh, left here as missionaries to the country of Russia. And um, now for almost 30 years, Mark has been planning churches. He's been training leaders, and they've been involved in lots of different types of ministry there in Russia. If you've been around FCF for a while, you've probably seen Mark. He comes through about once a year um, so that we have the opportunity to have some time with him. Um, We work with two international organizations, Barnabas Fund, who help Christians who are being persecuted um, at the places where they are. And we work with Willow Creek Association International, and they produce something called the Global Leadership Summit. And the Leadership Summit is about training pastors and church leaders. They're in more than 150 countries all around the world, and we're the supporter of one of those conferences in one of those countries. And then in addition to that, we have great relationships and great partnerships with five pastors of churches in the Dominican Republic.
1: And when it comes to our mission partners, our focus in missions has always been to go as wide as we can, as long as we can go a mile deep. It's never been to see how many partners can we partner with if we're only going to go an inch deep. Our goal is to go as deep as possible, and as long as we can go deep, we'll go as far as possible. And one of our partners that you mentioned that has really reflected that has been our partner in the Dominican Republic. Uh, I know that you shared with me the other day, and it surprised me because I didn't know this, that when we started with them about 15 years ago, Fifteen years ago, it was five churches in the Dominican Republic that now has expanded to over twelve churches uh, across the Dominican Republic. It was just amazing growth. But you shared an anecdote just about how impactful the ministry is there. Uh, could you share that?
2: Uh, we had we had one of our teams on the ground with the church in the in the DR and we were there through the day, kind of working on the building and doing what we do um, on construction on their building. And at night, um, going into the Easter season, we were going out into the community with them. um, And in the community, they would throw up a sheet uh, they would use a projector like that one, um, and they were showing a movie about about Jesus, about his life, about his ministry, about his death and his resurrection. And then the pastor would get up and he would talk to them for a while, and then he would ask if there was anyone that wanted to um, to begin their relationship with Jesus. And so um, they had done. We had done this for several nights in several different communities. They were getting a tremendous response. Um, we witnessed just person after person after person saying yes to that. Um, and they had a certain number of communities that they wanted to cover, but there was a man in the church named Pedro, and Pedro wanted them to come to his community. And the pastor at this point was beginning to actually get concerned about the number of people because it was so many people, and they faced some of the transportation challenges that we have here. How are we going to get these people now to the church so that they can be part of a community and learn? That he really didn't want to go into any more communities. He was like, enough, no more communities. We can't take any more strange response from a pastor right so um, so Pedro kept begging though come I want you to come you have to come to my community pastor you need to come and so he reluctantly said okay we'll go and they went and the community came out and they did their thing and at the end he asked is there anyone and I want you to put up your hand and everyone in the community raised their hand that they wanted to know what it meant to trust and follow Jesus and the pastor told me, he said, I thought to myself, there must be some mistake. They, they couldn't have understood me. So let me try this again. So he started back from the beginning to explain everything to them again. And he said he was hitting it really hard because he wanted to make sure there was no misunderstanding. This is not going to be easy. There are things that you'll have to learn to do and things that you'll have to give up doing. It was almost like he was trying to talk them out of it, you know. And at the end, he said, now, if you're serious about this, I want you to take a few steps forward and the whole community <laughs> stepped forward. And the pastor said, I'm thinking to myself, okay, what are we gonna do with all these people? And so he, he um, said to them, well, there's a great church here in your community if you'd like to go to it, but if there's any of you that wanna come to, to our church, just put up your hand, you know, and everyone raised their hand. So he turned to Pedro and said, okay, on Sunday I want you to go to Pedro's house and Pedro's gonna figure out how to get you all to church.
1: These are good problems. These are problems that pastors like. Um, and is this, it's a quick question, is this the same pastor that visited here and laughed at us for everything that we do on a Sunday morning? Yeah. And he said, all we do is put up folding chairs and a sheet.
2: Uh-huh. It was him. He has quite a sense of humor. He stepped in the auditorium and went, you need all this to do ministry? We have some plastic chairs and a sheet.
1: So... Early on in your involvement with Leading Missions the question was asked could we just send money to our partners internationally? Do we really need to go to the trouble of sending teams and sending people down there? Could we just support them financially? Um, Talk through how you came to the conclusion on that and how it shaped the ministry.
2: Uh, yeah, we have had that question over the years, and we've asked ourselves that question, and there might be people sitting here with us today who are wondering the same thing. You know, it's it's work for the churches and the pastors to host a team. Um, it can sometimes take them, you know, away from their things that they do in their communities and with their churches uh, for us to be there. And so I, I ask them that question. We have good relationships with them. Um, they've become dear friends over over the years. And I just ask them, you know, is it better for us just to send the money than it is for us to send people and take your time away from what you do every day? And the response I got back from every one of them was a huge no. You know, yes, this helps us. Yes, this, you know, this moves forward our ministries, but... The encouragement and the motivation that, they re- that we receive, the opportunity to meet people and for our church to meet people that we would never get to meet if you didn't come so outweighs any amount of time that it takes to host the teams that there is no way we would give up having you come um, just so we could get things done.
1: So we have a number of teams that will be going out this year to support a number of different projects. Can you talk us through what those projects, where, where these projects are and what they're going to be working to accomplish?
2: Okay, so in March, we have a team going into the, to the mountains, the Andes Mountains in Peru. And they're continuing construction on a building that they started um, last year that's the only church in that community, the only church building in the church in that community. We have another team that will be going out to the Dominican Republic. And, in fact, we're starting to give information about that starting today. If you have interest in that, um, it's, I think, in your program how you can find out about that. And that team is also continuing construction on a brand-new church building and yet another community. So now they have scattered all across that island, churches everywhere. um, And there are just some great things happening there. The next uh, month in July, we have a team that's returning to a site in the desert part of Peru um, where there's a church there and then a school, a Christian school. and They were working on a building there and they're going back to kind of put the final touches on that um, so that those kids can come and learn there. And then in the fall, we have something that's new and really interesting. It is in Peru. This is in the Amazon region of Peru. And there, um, the, the the travel is, you know, a flight to the capital city, another small flight um, inside the country, and then a three-hour boat ride up an Amazon, Amazon tributary up the river to get to this church so that we can do some work with them and help them. And, you know, I've talked about the construction part of this, but let me just add, it's never just construction. You know, that's just something that that we do. We're just labor and hands to help. Um, the most important part about this is usually in that there's some, you know, engagement with the church, with people in the community, and especially with children in the community.
1: Awesome. Um, and just so everybody knows, there'll be information out in the lobby after service today about all of the trips and all of the opportunities that are coming up. Um, so moving from international missions to national missions, we have a handful of national partners as well. One of them is Abner Rodriguez of Frontier Christian Fellowship in Texas, who uh, we've been supporting for about 10 years. And Abner got into ministry because he he was the son of a pastor, but had a secular job. And on his way to work, he would drive past this abandoned church uh, that said Victory Church on the side of it. And it bothered him so much that this church that said Victory on the side was abandoned not completely in disuse and disrepair. And it just, to him, felt like a blight on the whole movement of Christ. And so just out of sheer frustration, stopped one day to paint over victory because he just couldn't stand to see it anymore. And in that moment, since the call of God to establish a new, contact, uh, new covenant with Abner, to go out and transform lives for Christ. So Abner took up that call since then, uh, started a church that spread to 20 sites, I think 20 sites and reaching over 2000 people in the last uh, 10 years. So that's pretty incredible. So that's one of our partners. But the other more recent one uh, that's really exciting is our partner in Baltimore, pastored by Bob Washington called Celebration Church. Um, This is a new partner. We have a video of of Pastor Bob sharing his vision for the church that I want to share with you real quick before Janet talks to us about where that partnership is established. So we'll play that.
3: We want to revitalize not only the church, but we want to be a church uh, that has a positive footprint in the community. And um, so I always say, you know, if the doors of the church were to close, would people miss us? And so we want to be missed if that would ever happen. So we want to have a profound impact. Um, in a way that leads to transform lives. So the the idea is that as we transform the community, people will see the power of God at work, and, and recognize that God can do that for my community. He can do that for my life. And um, yeah, brother. So 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 that's what that's what we're dreaming about. So 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 the dream is to see men, women, boys, and girls saved, uh, built up uh, to equip and empower the next generation to make disciples. Just last Sunday I preached on three great principles that impact the world. is where my heart is, is the great commandment, you know, to love God with all our heart, soul, and mind, and love our neighbor as ourselves, and so I believe that's the foundation, that, that we have to do everything in love. And then the great commission. That we're also we're called to go and make disciples, and making disciples takes time. Making disciples involves getting in, in, in the lives of people, and, 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 and people bring issues, challenges, and, and but making disciples is not running the other way, is, is is walking with them, right? And um and then also um and then and then what I call the great collaboration—that it's you know the power of the church, you know the power of um, uh, community and and, and and love flowing from heart to heart people said, hey, you know, I want what I see there. I see, I see the love of Christ there. I see the power of God there. And I, and, and I want that in my life as well.
1: So Bob's terrific. Anybody who's met Bob loves Bob, has an amazing vision, uh, amazing leadership over that church. I love what he said in that video that if the doors of our church were to close, would anybody miss us? Um, so they're very focused on the community around them. But will you talk us through how did that relationship between us and that church develop, and what are some of the unique challenges that they're facing?
2: the The same um, people who connected us with the churches in the Dominican Republic knew Bob and knew his church right here in Maryland. And so whenever he contacted them and said, "Hey, our church is in need of a little bit of help," they called us right away. Um, we have a great relationship with them as well. And they said, "Hey, we're coming up from the south. You're already right there. Can you bring people and tools and, and we'll come and go together? And so our first team went to Bob's church um, and began the renovation of the the interior of the building there. Uh, and then we've continued to work with them um, since then. I'm sure some of you have been there. You've seen the community, the neighborhood. You've met Bob and his church. It's a small but very mighty church with a big heart. And they have um, are in a community that is in in just drastic need of transformation and so we're really excited to have this partnership with them and we've been there Um, I was just there in their worship service a few weeks ago they've been here they came for our first church at four service Uh, and so we've established just a a really good opportunity um, to have a great partnership Uh, they are going into um, completing the renovation part. We have a very uh, committed group of guys from our church who have been part of that, and they're coming into the end of that. But they are so active and so wanting to get out in their community and let the community know that they are there and there for them, that um, they have invited us to be part of that. And so they have some things planned through the year this year where they will be engaging with their community, and we have an opportunity to send teams to be part of that along with them.
1: And it's so encouraging to talk to the people who are part of that church, because when you stand at that church and just look around the block that the church is on, you just see abandoned house, abandoned house, abandoned house, abandoned house. Um, And they'll just talk about how overrun the community has become with crime and drugs. It's not uncommon for there to be a shooting on the block that the church is in. Um, But you talk to the people who are in the church there, and, and they'll talk to you with tears in their eyes about what the community used to be like because so many of them grew up in that community and remember what it used to be like and the heart that they have to transform that community through Christ. Uh, It's just a really cool opportunity for us to be a partner uh, to them. So not only do we support partners internationally and nationally, we also have a lot of partners here in Frederick that we support who are our local partners
2: So here in Frederick, we've been in connection with the Frederick Rescue Mission, um, who have a residential program for men, and they also um, um, provide meals, breakfast and lunch, every single day of the year, uh, year after year after year. And so we've been um, connected with them for a while. We also are partners with the Allen P. Linton um, Shelter, uh, which is a place for people to go who don't have anywhere else to go in our community. And we are partners with uh, Youth for Christ, And then we have our own um, driven ministry, which is the ministry where teams from our church go out into a few key communities in Frederick, and they um, establish relationships with the children in those communities.
1: And I remember one of the turning points for the missions that we have to our local partners was when you and your team came upon this key discovery that uh, you said was the game changer. Talk us through what the game changer was for local missions.
2: We had, been, we had been working with the rescue mission for a while, and our teams would go and they would help serve the meals uh, at the rescue mission. But at some point in it, through a conversation with our local team leaders, Howard and Lynn Carey, um, we realized that we're not just there to serve a meal. It's not just doing a thing. We're there to meet a person, to create a relationship, to make a friend. And once we began to to focus in that direction and to talk to the teams about focusing in that direction, everything changed. Um, We weren't just somebody who was there getting something done. We were people who were now part of the lives of other people And now some of those folks are here with us, and we're so glad to have them here with us. They have now become part of our church community. They invite friends of their own to become part of our church community, and the impact just continues to grow just because we learn to be a friend.
1: And and this is something that uh, we talked to Howard, uh, who leads local missions, about this a while ago, and he was talking about his uh, road to that same discovery of, of the importance of building relationships. And we actually have the video hear of him sharing that
4: story. When we first started serving at the Allen P. Linton Emergency Shelter for the Homeless, uh, I sat next to a gentleman and asked if I could sit next to him, and he said, you can sit here, but don't talk to me. So I I sat there, and uh, after a couple minutes, got up and said, thanks for the seat, and um, came back the next week and saw that he had a Redskins hat on, so I sat next to him and didn't say a word until I said, the Redskins suck." And at that moment, he turned to me and he had plenty to say. And from that conversation, we developed a great relationship. Uh, he actually uh, rides the bus to our church, uh, FCF, on every Sunday morning, is a consistent, participating member, and has really uh, come to Christ. And so that you know, started our relationship, uh, but it also kind of showed that you have to meet people kind of where, where they are. And to have trust, you, you have to be sincere and you have to be consistent. The impact that we've seen has just been so inspirational to, to us and our team because we see, you know, real changed lives. We see people that have really come to Christ. Um, we see people that are moving out of homelessness. We see people that are really having hope now. Um, I, but I think the, the biggest impact is to go from where we went where no one trusted us and didn't even want to talk to us to now, You know, we were there on a Thursday and uh, a new person came in who was newly homeless. And so someone else that was homeless, you know, said, hey, uh, let me show you the rope, show you around. And then when he said, if you don't have a church home, you should come to our church. He didn't say go to their church or that church up on 15th. He said, you need to come to our church.
1: And just a director's cut note on that, the Redskins fan that he noted there was the person that you might have seen on Christmas Eve who has transitioned now out of homelessness and has been out of homelessness for two years, uh, thanks in large part to our local missions team. Um, but yeah. So what are the things that we're trying to accomplish in the upcoming year with our local missions partners?
2: Well, we're, we're continuing to create relationships. I mean, that's the most important thing that we can do. Um, in, the, in the driven ministry, the ministry with the kids, you saw on the 2018 highlights that in one of those communities, the club has more than tripled. Um, and so we are looking for adults who will just go there and kick a ball around with the kid and sit down and have a conversation with the kid and just be a friend to them and, and ask them to come and be part of things here.
1: Awesome. Now, when you started into missions, um, can you talk us through what initially gave you the passion to pursue this and really invest yourself in it and take seriously Jesus' command to go? Um, that that thing that really stirred you inside that you would want to leave everybody here with this morning.
2: I, I grew up in the church, um, and throughout my time, there were missionaries who would come, and I always just thought they were the most special people. They were often in our homes um, for meals with us, and um, I just, I just, there was just something about them. And so, fast forward to here at FCF, I was working with a group of high school students here. i had been uh, working with high school students for about six years, and a, the students came, just a little handful of them, maybe five of them, and said, "We want to go on a mission trip." And since I had already had interest in missions, that's all I needed was somebody to say, let's go. And I said, okay, we'll go. The problem was we had no idea how to do it. We didn't know where to go. We didn't know how to get connected. We didn't have anything going at FCF at that time that we could go. And so we began to sort of do some research, find organizations that connect churches to missions, you know, things like that. And through that, we learned that there was a staff member who had a connection with the church in the Dominican Republic and so he made some phone calls and they said sure come and we put together our first team of about 20 students and we went down there and it was a phenomenal week. Uh, We were working on a building that needed to be expanded so badly The, the place was so small and so packed with people that people were standing around the outside of the building listening and watching through the window so that they could be part of what was going on there so they needed more space We went out into the community with the church. We were able to work with and talk with children, with adults in that community um, through translators. Um, But when it all started, you know, we didn't even know where the Dominican Republic was. They said, we have a mission for you. You can go to the Dominican Republic. I had to look it up on the map. I didn't even, I never, you know, sorry. Geography wasn't my thing, so I just didn't know. But it was, a, it was an incredible week. And there were bonds built and relationships built. And these two churches just sort of fell in love with each other through this experience. And at the end of that week, the pastor told what was their side of the story. And their side of the story was that they knew they had to do something because they needed the space. But they didn't have the money and they didn't have the people to get the work done. And they didn't know how they were going to get it done. And so as just a step of, of, of confidence, trust in God, of faith, they decided they were going to take the money that they had, buy some construction materials, and then just see what happened. And they got the phone call that, hey, there's a church in the U.S. that wants to come and help. And when I saw the way that God connected two churches, two groups of people together who knew absolutely nothing about each other, Um, didn't know each other's language, didn't know each other's names, faces, didn't know where each other even were in the world. It just blew my mind. It expanded my vision to see how incredible God is, how he can just do things that are way beyond us and way beyond what we could ever understand. Um, And so when I hear go... I don't just hear go and get something done, go and do something, go and talk to some people. Now what go means is go and you'll understand me better, God better. Go and you'll have um, an opportunity to meet people that you're just going to love, that you just wouldn't have met any other way. Go and you'll be part of you know, motivating and encouraging a whole church and excitement in a community because there's an American team here and they want to come and see what they're doing here and what this thing that they're doing is all about. Um, go and you'll have find meaning and purpose that you can never find any other way. But go for you might not mean get on a plane and go to another country. Go might mean go back the hallway and hold a baby so that an exhausted dad or mom can sit in here and just get some renewal for about an hour on Sunday morning. Or go and sit with a high school student who needs a caring person in their life. Um, Go into the community and meet people like Howard and his team do that we wouldn't meet any other way unless we go. Go and drive a shuttle and bring them back here so that they can be part of this community here that we're all part of. Um, you know, go to a neighbor, a friend, a coworker that's hurting and tell them, you know, come with me because there is something here that I want you to be part of because it's meant something to me. So that's, that's go.
1: Janet, thank you for all that you do, for all that your team does uh, in our community and throughout the world. Uh, it's just incredible to see the partnerships that you guys have built and the work that you're accomplishing with all those partners. So thank you so much. Now would you guys join me and we're going to pray for janet and her team uh for the upcoming year father we are just so grateful for uh, janet's leadership the leadership of all of the members on her team the responsibility the personal responsibility that they take to be a part of what you want to accomplish through this community and our community and in the world Uh, we thank you so much for Calling them out, we thank you for the tenderness of their hearts that they responded to your call, and we pray so much for their guidance and your wisdom and your strength in their lives in this upcoming year. And we also pray for the hearts of those who don't yet know that they're going to be a part of those teams in this upcoming year, that you would stir their hearts and nudge them and tap them on the shoulder um, and just... Allow your spirit to move and work in them uh, to show them the next step that they need to take to become a part of what you're doing through this church and our world. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Well, on July the 11th, 2017, this took place in Panama City, Florida. Uh, these people are, as you can see, linked together hand to hand There were some kids that were out boogie boarding, and they got caught in a riptide. And they were able to signal, get the attention of their parents. Their parents went in, and then they got caught in the riptide. Some other people saw it, went out to help. They got caught. There was nine people caught in this riptide. And then this one lady had the cognizance to think, okay, I'm going to rally everybody that I can on this beach, all strangers, all with plans to do anything other than to jump into a riptide to try to rescue somebody. Uh, They all wanted to relax. They wanted to enjoy the day. But she rallied them together, got them to join hands, and ultimately they formed this chain. And because of this chain, some reports say there were 80 people that were holding hands together, risking life and limb, going out into this riptide, uh, they were able to save all nine of the people. One elderly lady actually did have a heart attack, but nevertheless, they got her out of the water. So, I'm going to assume that some of you, you came here this morning, and you're struggling with some area of your life. Maybe your marriage is hanging on by a thread. Maybe your relationship with coworkers or your Ability to cope with the circumstances at your place of work—it could be a physical thing, it could be mental, emotional. But you're sitting here and you're saying, you know, Randy, you, you start off by saying that. What would Jesus say to me? What does He want me to know? What does He want me to do? And He wants me to, to put myself into this process of making disciples. And I don't know what I can do in that. But I want you to go back to that situation. Had you been there that day on your vacation on the beach, July the eleventh, twenty seventeen? And you have been waiting for that day just to relax, and you're enjoying the day. And then all of a sudden, the call comes out. There are people that are in mortal danger. They they desperately need help. You may have been there and think to yourself, well, I can't even swim. By the way, some of the people uh, that were in that chain could not swim. And they were complete strangers, but they all rallied to the cause. And because of the cause, they linked hands, they joined together, they each played whatever part they could, whatever role they could. Jesus says, go into the world and make disciples. He was talking to people that he had discipled himself for three and a half years. They knew exactly what he meant. They were a community of disciples, and Jesus was now telling them, you go as a community of disciples, bring people into your community and help them to become disciples. It's in the context of community because people have diverse needs at all the different stages of life, whether they're children or adolescents or adults and and all, all the stages after that. And there's a certain type of personality that you have and a certain approach that you have that nobody else has. And you can connect with somebody in a way that you can be the bridge to Christ to them that nobody else can. You just need to join to be a part of this chain. This church exists because of those words. I said that at the start. And so if you're th- here today and you're thinking, well, this, this message, you know, and this whole deal, it didn't quite meet my need. Yes, it has met your need because sometimes God calls us out of our own selves and our own pertinent needs to meet the needs of others so that our deepest needs can be met ultimately. Let me share a verse with you in closing. Jesus speaking. He says, when he saw the crowds... He had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. He said to his disciples, the harvest is what? Great, but the workers are what? Few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more what? Workers into his field. If you identify, if you self-identify as a Christ follower, one who has put their trust in Christ and is going to live the rest of your life as, as his follower, then Jesus this morning is calling you, is calling us to be a chain. There shouldn't be anybody missing in the chain if you're a Christ follower to be co workers with God to yet go and bring others into this disciple making community. Why? Because it's the greatest thing you can ever do for another human being. Jesus could have said any number of things when he gathered those disciples that time in Galilee when he had risen from the dead. He, he could have said, go, and I want you to start a new educational system because the world needs education. He could have said, go, and I want you to create a new kind of a judicial geopolitical system to run the nations with uh, the, the uh, getting rid of all oppression. But he didn't say that. He could have said, go, and create this new economic system so that we can all have equal you know, fu- funding and we can all have all the wealth and all, all the food and such we need. But he didn't say any of that. Jesus believed the most the most deep need that every single human has is to be reconnected with their creator. He says we we're made by Christ and for Christ and apart from Christ we can never be who we were meant to be. And so what I'm asking this morning is you've heard many opportunities but there's all kinds of other opportunities that you this morning can say yes to the call of Jesus, that you'll not only be his disciple, but you will be part of his chain of life-saving, life-changing, disciple-making community. And you will play your part. You say, Randy, well, well, I don't know what to What if you just decided every single Sunday morning you were going to be here no matter what, come hell or high water, you're going to be here worshiping God. You're going to be here to greet somebody. You're going to be here to say hello to somebody you never met. That's a start. So, we each can have a part. The people in that chain all mattered, and you matter, and I matter. Jesus said that the workers are few, the harvest is plentiful. This church hasn't anywhere near reached its potential, and it won't reach its potential until each and every one of us take our part in this chain of life saving, life changing disciple makers. So, I hope you'll respond. That today. It might just be the key to breaking the power of some particular struggle that you have in your life today. Let's close in prayer. Father, we thank you so much that uh, your words create so much action, change so many lives, have changed my life dramatically, and you just continue on. And I know that this morning you're calling each and every one of us, you're inviting us, you're inviting us to invest in the lives of other people to invite other people to get involved to be stretched and to allow your spirit to take us places we've never been do things we've never done meet people we've never met and be so glad that we made the investment took the risk change our lifestyles to be a part of your ever-growing disciple making community please father move each of our hearts and help us to make decisions today that we'll be so glad we made for time and eternity. I ask it all in Christ's name. Amen.
2: Local Missions is the team to join if you want your entire life changed and pointed in the direction of God.
0: For me it's been it's been truly godsend. I have uh, not only uh, I hope helped
1: bring others to Christ but I have grown tremendously in my faith. I just feel so thankful Blessed to be part of this, uh, the local missions team. I love local missions because you get to interact with kids who live in your own community that otherwise you wouldn't be able to interact with and really make a positive impact on their life.
2: I believe that others should get involved in local missions because as they dive in and serve others, their relationships with Christ also grows deeper. My wish for the FCF family is
4: that everybody should go on a mission trip and know how meaningful, how life changing experience it is because you can see
2: how the 85% of the world lives. And we
4: as a team work a long, hard week and then at the end of that week we're the ones that are thankful, we're thanking God that He gave us this opportunity and blessed us with the time to be able to spend with
0: our new friends. I find that on mission trips I get closer to God than any other time in my life and we seek out what he wants us to do, and it's just amazing how it comes together and all these strangers and some of us are teams that have you know, been on trips together before, but other people come in and we just get something accomplished that we had no idea that we could possibly do. The
2: mission teams with FCF Church has given us so much more uh, than what you could ever imagine. You go to these places thinking that you're going to help these people when in reality you get more from them. Than you could ever imagine. My husband and I have been on two mission trips, and I guess what I want to say mostly is it's life changing. It's
3: not just the adventure of where you're going, and who you're with, and, and, and serving. It's an adventure into looking at yourself and seeing how you fit into a bigger picture and, and how you personally can serve God by serving his, his greater community.
4: It has changed my life, and I would recommend anybody who had an opportunity to go on a missions trip to do that. And I've seen so many people come back changed just to, willingness really to serve more, to see how blessed we are. And so I encourage each one of
1: you in the future, if you can go on a missions trip, um, by all means do it, If you sense the Spirit of God nudging you even if it's just to get more information about our missions teams, projects that are coming up, or the DR trip that registration is starting for, I want to encourage you after service today to stop by the tables that are set up in the lobby where there are people that would be happy to give you information and answer any questions that you might have. If this is your first Sunday with us, we'd love to have the opportunity to meet with you. I invite you to stop by Guest Central on your way out the door. If this is a Uh, Morning, where you're walking with just a heavy heart you'd like someone to talk to or pray with, we invite you to come by Care Central on the right-hand side on your way out. And if you have any other questions about the church or our teams or our communities, we invite you to come by Info Central in the lobby. We hope you have a great rest of your Sunday. We'll see you next week.